Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. It's a holiday week here in the U.S. and uh, we're yeah. we've got a lot to do. <laughs> we do, but we are both wearing True Crime Squad t-shirts. Are we didn't I'm even plan it, but here we are. Supporting my original resting toad face, which mm -hmm. if you know, you know, this is. This is what Chad Daybell looks like in court in every single hearing he's ever been in. <laughs> this is my impression of him, mm -hmm. which is where this whole thing, this is my catchphrase that I developed. <laughs> now, what have you got? That's right. I'm wearing the FOS list. Yeah. So the FOS list is something we've had for years over uh, on Wednesday nights, especially on the uh, live stream case updates that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you are particularly egregious where we just hate your guts a lot you go to, straight to the top of the fos list fos means fight on site you can imagine chad daybell tim ballard yeah they're on the fos list the mormon church because this is a mormon misdeeds episode come uh -huh. on yeah for yeah. sure now what uh, we're not calling for violence or anything just you know <laughs> fight on site yeah this is all talk with no action as you can of imagine course. yeah however it's kind of I, fun to think about. I don't think you see either of us ever really throwing down. But I know I have many times said I would like to kick so and so in the dick. And I really mean it. Mm -hmm. Would I actually do it? No. I just Probably won't not. do. Maybe dream but, about it, but no. But you could always fight with your words. It's kind of what I we can fight do. with my words, and that <laughs> is what we do. Yes, our fight on our fights are fights of words. And boy, are we gonna have some fights of words today? <laughs> Yes, so we are. this is a Mormon Misdeeds episode, which means we are covering three different cases related to Mormon people, Mormon church, Mormonism, uh, and crimes being committed in the name of. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Katie, you're going to kick us off with a true crime update. Yeah. One of the kings of Mormon misdeeding, Chad Daybell, has some new this filings. Right here. <laughs> there he is. Has some new filings that are worth discussing. You know, his uh, trial is coming up in just uh, four short months, his attorney is pointing out frantically, uh, and threatening to ask for a continuation. For the love of God, John Pryor, how much time do you need? <laughs> really? There are not enough pearls in the world to cl clutch for the request of another continuance. Are you kidding? Now, the first thing that he is clutching about and upset about is that the prosecution has filed a, uh, a request to amend the indictment. This is the language of conspiracy because if you remember in Lori's trial, the language of the conspiracy of five or more people, some unknown, uh, they amended that right before they went to the jury, which legally they can do. 
they can they can amend the indictment clear up until the time that the jury deliberates they did that that caused a big fight in Lori's court it's of course a part of uh the appeal that's being scheduled or filed right now in the appellate court uh but legally they could do it the judge was pissed he didn't like it he gave them he bitched them out pretty good but he allowed it because he kind of had to it's a minor thing it's a minor change that it's just verbiage uh so now they're like, well, let's do that now before we get to trial so it doesn't turn into a thing. And it's turning into a thing because Pryor doesn't like it. And so it, it cracks me up a little bit. He said the state has not provided the defense with a copy of the proposed amended indictment. The defense has requested from the state a copy of the proposed language in a proposed indictment. As of the date of this filing, the defense has not been provided the copy. The defense cannot agree or stipulate to any amendment without first reviewing said proposed indictment to ensure all of the proposed changes are stated and no further changes are made other than those represented. We might have to come up with a new t-shirt for proposed if he uses that word about three more times. I think he might get into the Guinness Book of World Records for the most use of the word proposed because that was impressive and very repetitive. He, he for sure wrote this one. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did. This is definitely John Pryor lingo versus some of the other filings we've read lately. They were like, oh, he did not write that. <laughs> it was not. way too good. not, did not. Yep. <laughs> Uh, the state is attempting to change not only the crime charged against the defendant, but contrary to their assertion, prosecute under a different provision and under a different burden other than what was presented to the grand jury. Not true at all. What they presented to the grand jury was what they presented to the grand jury. This is the indictment that the grand jury wrote, but the prosecution does have the right to amend that if it's not quite correct, if it's right. within the spirit of the the charge which it is uh but you know he just he's, he's going to be contrary uh he's doing his job but uh the defendant objects to the state amending the indictment regarding the alleged conspirators and is only engaging in semantics to lessen their burden other than how it was presented to the grand jury again not true what they presented to the grand jury was what they presented to the grand jury it, it is semantics this is dumb Defendant reserves the right to provide further argument at the hearing on this matter and make additional objections so as to reserve their right to object until such time as a hearing is heard on the state's motion. In the event proposed copy is not provided in an acceptable time prior to hearing, the defense would request a continuance. So that's actually for the hearing, not the trial. <clears throat> I might have misspoke on that. Uh, However, still, come mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Um, also, John has a real history of claiming he hasn't received things that he has received. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's probably on one of those voluminous uh, uh, um, external hard drives he's got, which I, mm -hmm. I've i lost count about how many times he's been provided one now by the prosecution. But also because uh. the state has filed to change that, that is his notice. <laughs> so he... Right. has received it this is just more of mm -hmm. uh, more of the bitching and grandstanding but that's okay mm -hmm. that's whatever uh so that's one thing it's that's uh, you know. yeah it's, it's just lawyers lawyering but it's kind of silly okay but uh a couple of other things that have come up that are worth discussing one is a filing from the state this is their 
continued uh, response and objection to allowing cameras in the courtroom. Uh, we wish they would knock it off. We really wish they would knock it off. But essentially, in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. it's a long filing. It's about 10 pages. So I will just provide you with the conclusion. The De Belvalo case has garnered widespread media attention across the country. The entire state of Idaho has been inundated with media coverage about the murders of Tylee Ryan, J.J. Vallow, and Tammy Daybell. Broadcasting or live streaming the presentation of arguments, hearings, and testimony has the potential of exacerbating prejudice to all parties. Whereas the court has the absolute and sole authority to decide if audiovisual equipment are allowed in the courtroom, the state urges the court to maintain its memorandum and decision and order prohibiting video and photographic coverage issued on September 23, 2022. In the alternative, the state requests that the court limit broadcasting of the trial in such a manner to limit prejudice to the parties. That makes no sense to me because the trial will already be happening. What prejudice? And could there right, possibly be more prejudice than already exists? The other trial already happened. We all know what was said. We all know what was presented. There's Indeed. no... Indeed. Yeah, come on. But the other piece of that that really is interesting, one of their arguments is that one of the reasons cameras don't need to be in the courtroom is because Lori's trial was live tweeted in real time by multiple broadcasters and uh, reporters, in us included. Including us. And that the... Uh, uh, they said something along the lines of, to the best of our abilities, uh, reviewing the live tweeting, it seemed to be coming across as completely accurate. So why do people need more than that? <laughs> hey, thanks. Because like, we worked damn hard to be completely accurate. As you guys know, we and it was have really friggin' hard work. <laughs> our lives fell apart. No, <laughs> yes. really. But <laughs> we uh... kind of did, though, man. It took us weeks to recover after that trial. Really literally, did. I don't know how I'm not in braces from carpal tunnel syndrome from tweeting on my phone for hours a day, and you too. Like, mm -hmm. what the hell? but hey, we'll we'll take those compliments well, where they where they come because yeah. we were actually uh, recognized by multiple people throughout that trial as being one of the best live tweet coverages of the trial. We had uh -huh. many people tell us that we were the most detailed, that we were, that we gave the best information and that we summed things up the very best, like, mm -hmm. and we worked really hard at that. So, hey, yes, we did. We'll take it. We did. Our dear friend Darla did. Aunt Sue did. We all worked together yes. on that one to uh, we did. pull it and off. It uh, fucking hard work. So thank you, prosecution. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hey, we'll I'm sure it. you were talking to us. I'm sure. Uh, a naughty side of I mean, sure. I think that we are, there is awareness of us more than we realize. We've discovered later, sort of after the fact, that there are actually people who were involved in that trial who do very much know who we are. We never oh, really knew yeah. if that was the case or not. But we have learned after the fact that, as a matter of fact, yeah. They do know who yeah. we are. It's probably also why I did not get on a jury a couple of months ago when I had jury duty. Yeah. I was severely ever making it on a jury ever. Yeah, that was not going to happen. Bad because I do fully believe I could be, I could be fair. I could. I want to oh, hear the evidence. Sure. I, 
I want the legal system to work fairly for everyone. I do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know. Sad. Uh, so I don't know. I disagree. And I hotly disagree, actually. But that, that's part of their argument. So mm-hmm. kind of interesting. So then we come down to the motion from the state to consider venue change. This is a renewed motion this that was filed so uh, a long time ago. But basically, the state is saying, look, we don't need to be in Ada County anymore. There's no reason for us to drag this entire trial four hours away. Be such a huge hardship on the court. It is so expensive. Let's move it back either to Fremont County, terrible idea, or like Idaho Falls. Because better we idea. cannot possibly pay for this again, though they will if they have to. Uh, they don't want to. And they don't want honestly to have to go live in a hotel for the next three months you know and from march so and so on to uh prosecutor lindsey blake's dad died during lori vallow's trial while she was in boise Mm -hmm. prosecuting that trial i mean you have to think about them a little bit as people too like yeah that was shitty man that was how much of our law enforcement ended up down there because they had to testify and stuff and Mm -hmm. like it's a big deal so they're saying, look, what, there's no going to Boise, protecting the jury pool. That argument doesn't really fly anymore because Lori's already been prosecuted. This has been everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's movies. There's right. podcasts. Well, and, there's and Ada County so much has news already, coverage. Yeah. Like, they're out of, out of uh, Ada. Yeah. So I'll just give you their uh, conclusion. It is another quite long brief Uh Due to the significant changes in circumstances, information, and timing that were in existence at the time of the change of venue was initially granted, the state would respectfully request this court reconsider its order from October 8, 2021, and keep the trial in Fremont County, or in the alternative, this court reconsider a transfer of venue to a closer, less saturated, and less expensive venue. Okay, I'm not surprised. That makes sense. Uh, then, of course, uh, in comes John Pryor with the clutching of the pearls. Um, Got him. <laughs> this brief is wild because it's not even straight on the paper. Like, <laughs> whoever copied this had it off the G and left it that way, which is wild. So did the state actually do that? Uh, or... or as they uh, put this up on their website or did prior, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> John, I hope you're not messing with like this. Yeah. So he's saying the state has failed to provide any legal authority to allow a motion to reconsider the court's prior ruling. The state has failed to provide any legal or factual authority that overcomes the court's extensive analysis and ruling. I don't know that that's true. The state has referenced only an interview and media presentation as the authority to justify the change of venue back to Fremont. The state has failed to submit any expert analysis or authority other than the perception of a handful of people who were interviewed for a media article and so on and so forth. Uh, This one is great. And he actually uh, put this in bold with an underline under it. So that means it's like, bang, bang, really pay attention. The state is seeking a move of the trial to a number of eastern Idaho counties as alternatives and, in essence, is 
forum shopping. That's the bolded part. To gain an advantage in the upcoming trial, forum shopping. Okay, honey. That's hilarious. You think Ada County, that wasn't forum shopping too? Uh, yeah, that was 100% forum shopping, John Pryor. Come the on. Yeah, the state is engaging in last minute grandstanding. Grandstanding, really? By attempting to cause potential further delay by seeking a change of venue four months before a trial. I, if not now, when? Isn't this like the time this would happen? Yes, it is. The defendant this is fairly the similar right. to when they moved it last time. It may have been a little further out, but not much. Mm -hmm. The defendant reserves the right to provide further argument at this hearing on this matter. Well, of course, in the event the court allows this motion to reconsider to proceed and the state supplements their motion with additional evidence or attempts to present witness testimony, the defense would request a continuance. So I don't know what to say about that. I, I think the prosecution is correct, but there were studies that were done the first time. If you yeah, should recall, we, should we go back to those very excellently, excellently done studies? <laughs> Mark Means had arranged for a study, study, big Mark Means air quotes, in Fremont County and, and the surrounding area to see if he thought that there would be a potential here for a fair trial. The problem was the people that he hired weren't qualified to do it and weren't asking terrible job. correct questions. And actually, uh, we received one of those phone calls. One of my kids did and we recorded it. So uh, it's actually in our show notes or it's in our, uh, well, I'll try to put a link of it into the show notes if I can find it. But at any yeah. rate, and that one actually got uh, the court kick that one out because uh it was bananas but there were other well, it wasn't studies like they have to be certified in being able to do a study like this as mm -hmm. some kind of survey agency and, they, and weren't. they weren't yeah so who knows basically he's saying there hasn't been any study of the area again to see if people uh you know think chad's guilty uh, <laughs> so where are you gonna find people who don't at this point mm-hmm I mean, really what you have to do is you have to find people who are willing to listen to the evidence mm -hmm. and be fair about what's presented. It's not about guilt or innocence or knowledge of the case no. at this point. Mm -hmm. It's about people being willing to be impartial and yeah. listen to the jury instructions and what they are to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's for a sure. little different thing than your personal belief. Yeah, for sure. So those are the new filings. Uh, some of that we think will be fought out uh, next uh well, in two weeks now on the 29th when we go to court. Uh, but we don't know if it'll all be. It's my birthday. We're going to court yeah. on my birthday. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I just have to say this. I find the idea that moving the trial to Fremont County absolutely fucking hilarious because mm -hmm. the courthouse is tiny. The oh, yeah. Courtrooms it's impossible. Hold maybe 30 people, maybe 40. I don't know. It's not very many. Mm -hmm. They're tiny. So if they're going to move it, they should move it here to Bonneville County, which is where I live, mm -hmm. which is a much bigger courthouse, bigger courtrooms, yeah. much more capable of handling something like this. Mm -hmm. Still way smaller than Ada County, however. Yeah, but much cheaper, much, much yes. cheaper. Maybe they should just do it at Mount Mountain America Convention Center. <laughs> right. They should do it at the event center. Then everyone can attend. See, that's mm -hmm. the problem with not allowing cameras in the courtrooms and moving it back here 
is that that is way fewer people who will actually be able to physically attend the trial, yeah. way fewer. Mm -hmm. And that just does not seem right to me. No. I mean, fine. You want to grant the move, grant the move and allow a camera in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so that people who report on this, like us and mm -hmm. many others, don't feel like they have to try to strong arm their way into a tiny little courtroom. Mm -hmm. It's going to be horrific. Oh, know, yeah. Fremont County, they don't even have air conditioning, guys. Oh. <laughs> it's no. horrible. Their, their courtroom is on the second floor. It's hot as hell in there, even in the spring, because you fill it up with people. I, mm, it's not good. There is just mm -hmm. no way. The mm -hmm. infrastructure will not support it. No, they cannot possibly do it at Fremont or Madison. The no, Madison courtrooms not are much small. Bigger. Yeah, it's not much bigger. Here in Idaho Falls, we, we definitely have a bigger, bigger courtrooms, bigger, mm -hmm. bigger infrastructure just in general, as far as like yeah. hotels, restaurants, places for people to stay when they're coming in. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. Fremont County, <laughs> where they get there, they would have to stay in another town. Yeah. And, and, and travel every day if it's somebody, mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's just so many reasons why it's not a good idea. No. For sure not. So we'll see if the judge will even entertain that conversation or if he's just going to go, nope, this has already been decided on. We're not changing our minds now. He, and could. he may, you know, he, he very well could. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like he really would like to just structure this exactly like the last one was. Yeah, I, I think so. But it's very different when the defendant wants cameras in the courtroom. I mean, mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's well, and let's be clear about time. Yeah. Why would John Pryor want this to stay in Ada County? Because he lives there. Right. This is where John That's lives. That's local to him. Yeah. So he doesn't <laughs> he have to bring his ass up here to stay in a hotel for three months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. So yeah. with that, I'm going to kick the mic over to you for our main case. Oh, we have a doozy. All right, guys, this rotten trash bag is Scott Owen. Scott Owen is a therapist from Utah who has been arrested and accused of sexually assaulting his clients. Mm -hmm. This will come as no surprise to most of you, but mm -hmm. Scott Owen is a Mormon. Scott Owen uh, has been has contracted with the Mormon church to provide therapy for men who experience, and trust me, this is a Mormon word. It is not my phrase, same-sex attraction. That's the very romantic phrasing that the Mormon church uses for us gay people. And so this will sound familiar because we've talked about other therapists who have gotten into major hot water um, in similar situations. So. What happens is that bishops, who are the leaders of congregations in the Mormon church, have a list of therapists and they can choose from to send their their church, their ward members to uh -huh. for therapy if they are in need of it. And the Mormon church will pay for it. Uh -huh. So Scott Owen was on the list for same-sex attracted men. Uh -huh. And it turns out that Scott Owen's been using a pretty, uh, let's call it unusual kind of therapy. And that is sexually assaulting his patients. Uh -huh. 
this has been going on for quite some time. Oh, yeah. He is charged with 10 counts of uh, rape with a foreign object and forcible sodomy for two of his patients. Most of the people who have come forward now, the statute of limitations in Utah has already expired, which I don't understand why sex crimes ever have a statute of limitations. That is ridiculous. Uh But um, 12, 12 men have now come forward and the police are still taking, are happily taking as many statements as people want to give, even if they're, even if they're too late. Uh Um, but right now he's charged with two and he is being held without bond because the judge did determine that he's a risk to the community. You think so? This is what Scott Owen looks like now when showing up in court, which is much preferred, my preferred, my preference of how to witness him rather uh-huh. than that other professional photo. Yeah. So Scott Owen either gave up voluntarily or was taken from him his license to practice therapy in 2018 you know five years ago yeah um due to reports of inappropriate sexual contact with his clients this was reported to the state board of licensing in utah and it was also reported i know you're gonna know this to the mormon church Guess who did not call the police? Either of those entities. Yep. In Utah, the State Board of Licensing does not actually have to report these things to the police. Hmm. Isn't that something? Wonder why. You know, most states do. Mm-hmm. But again, the, the protection of predators is built into the system. It's built into the system of the Mormon Church. It is built into the theocracy that is Utah to protect these men. Yep. So... It turns out that the original allegations were actually made against him to the licensing board and to a bishop in the Mormon church in 2016. Yeah. No one did anything. They happened again in 2018. And that is when the licensing board was like, okay, you're done. He says his license, he voluntarily gave it up. They say they revoked it. Uh They're probably both covering their own asses to be perfectly Uh honest. Yeah. But since then, he's simply been working in his agency as a trainer. He's been teaching other therapists how to work with their same-sex attracted clients, guys. What in the fuck? Are you serious? Right. Yeah. Because Uh. in, in Utah, he does not have to hold a license to teach other therapists. So that's how his agency covered all of this up. So what happened is that there was a big investigation by ProPublica and the Salt Lake Tribune. They published their investigation in August of 2023. And this was the first that the police in Utah had heard of this. Uh I have to give them credit because although they are law enforcement in Utah and we know how dicey that can be. Uh They did jump right on it, started investigating him, started seeking statements from victims, and in October, arrested him. Uh He has now been arraigned and is being held on 10 counts, and the judge did not give him bail. Yeah. So I'm going to go through, um, I've got a bunch of quotes from the different articles that I want to share with you to explain 
how this all came about because it's important. There's a lot of the Mormon church's hand in all of this. And I want y'all to know that. Sorry, I have something going on with my hair. And as you <laughs> look at myself in the camera and see something wrong with my hair. Yeah, I apologize. Okay, it's fixed. <sighs> okay, so Millet. Millet is uh, the original victim. He uh, saw Owen um, for therapy sessions. Uh, Owen said he was teaching Millet to be intimate without being sexual because Owen's whole uh, premise, if you can call it that, is that these same sex attracted men just have problems with intimacy. Uh -huh. So his plan to cure them of that was to be intimate with them himself, a man, which was uh -huh. for their intimacy problems with women. Makes no sense. Now, Millet he trusted Owen because he was a therapist and a church leader. He was a bishop in the Mormon church at the time. Mm -hmm. And he remembers that at first, he Owen would hold him in his appointments. Can you imagine what? a therapist saying, here's my therapy for you. I'm going to hold you. But oh, my God. Young gay man. And he says he remembers that at first the embraces felt powerful and positive. He said, I'm this vulnerable gay kid from BYU. I was just craving this physical touch and it was wonderful. And so it wasn't immediately a red flag to this kid. He was also just a kid. Uh -huh. He was a very young adult. Let's see, what else have we got here? Oh, he told him that God gives certain people special permission to do things that are normally wrong. This is what prosecutors have written, uh, adding that the patient took this to mean that de the defendant had religious authority to be sexually intimate with him. Yeah. This idea that God said it's okay, even though it's against the rules, goes right back to the very beginning of Mormonism. And those are the same kind of words that were used during the beginning of polygamy. Uh -huh. Joseph Smith said words like that to women who, or shall we say teenage girls. Children. Who two children. He, children who he uh, wanted to marry and be intimate with. And they're like, but you're already married. This is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. This goes against God. And he said things like, sometimes God authorizes things that seem wrong for certain people to do them. The special people, uh -huh. you know, does this sound at all familiar to you? Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow, Tim Ballard, Jody Hildebrandt. They all say these things. Well, God said uh -huh. I could do it. So it's okay. It's just okay for me if I do it. Right? Yeah. God said, remember? God uh -huh. said. And you, you have to understand, if you are raised a Mormon child, Mormon authority is beat into your head from the time that you are old enough to sit up that uh -huh. <clears throat> there are men in the Mormon church who hold authority over you. And if they tell you something is okay, then it is okay. Uh -huh. Or tell you to do something or, yes. or do and something. Not just that it is okay, but that you have to do it. Yeah. This also goes back to the Book of Mormon, where <clears throat> in the Book of Mormon, Nephi was told by Jesus to kill a man while he was sleeping, to steal some documents from him that he needed. And because Jesus said it was okay, it was okay, even though murder is wrong. Uh -huh. 
See, oh. this is deeply built in. This is not just one guy out there acting on his own. This is built into their theology. And it is why it continues to happen. Because if one man can have that authority, maybe others can too. And now we've got Absolutely. women taking on that authority as well. Let's see. Uh, oh, sorry. I know this is blurry, but I wanted to, you to hear this. Utah law says patients can't consent to sexual acts with a healthcare professional if they believe the touching is part of a medically or professionally appropriate diagnosis, counseling, or treatment. It is illegal. It is not do. a thing. It's not it a thing to legal, Even in Utah, mm -hmm. to do. So this was covered by... Um, this was covered by, <coughs> excuse me, uh, state law, even yeah. though no one bothered to report it. Mm -hmm. So here are a few more things. The term bishop pay. So bishop pay was a term used um, for Utah-based therapists that simply meant the bishop is paying this bill. That's who we will bill for this. Uh -huh. Okay. So like when you're filling out insurance forms or other things, when you're starting counseling, there's a box to check that says bishop pay, which means their bishop will, will pay the bill. Uh, several Utah-based therapy businesses require that anyone using this payment method also sign a confidentiality waiver, allowing therapists to share patient information with the patient's bishop. So Holy they shit. up their confidentiality if the bishop oh. is paying, which means anything they say, anything they talk about can be reported back to the bishop, which can be reported back to the Mormon church, which can then lead to consequences sure. in the Mormon church. It's so oh, that's gross. awful. Yeah. It's so terrible. And we're talking people who have been raised their entire lives to trust their bishop that this is a good thing, that this is just for their support and for the bishop yeah. to know that you're, you know, and, and it's also accountability for the bishop to know that you're following through and doing what you're supposed to do. Well, but it also means we're that helping you, you say, yeah, we're helping you. We're helping you. We're saving your right. salvation right now. Right. Yeah. Now, listen to this. The, the, the church handbook for Mormon bishops gives little guidance as to how a bishop should recommend a therapist or other med medical professional, or how to ensure a church member is receiving quality care. They do not vet these therapists. They are not vetted in any other way but one. Mm -hmm. It says that when a church member is seeking counseling about intimacy, a bishop should refer them to professionals who specialize in such counseling and whose beliefs and practices are consistent with church doctrine. So they're only gonna send you to a Mormon therapist who will report back to your bishop and who will steer your counseling in a direction that is consistent with Mormon church doctrine. Therapy is supposed to be about what is best for you as an individual. Uh -huh. However, it isn't. It is in fact steered toward what is best to keep you compliant and involved with the church and following church doctrine. Right. So this is a setup from the beginning. This one just particularly grinds my gears because young gay people in the church, particularly at one of the church-owned schools like BYU or BYU-Idaho or BYU-Hawaii, 
are unbelievably vulnerable. You, you have to understand if they are truly going to choose a life of being a gay person, they will lose their membership in the church. They will lose their education. They'll get kicked out. They will lose their families potentially. They have mm -hmm. a lot to lose. Their goals, their Everything. plans, their hopes, their dreams, they're getting dashed on the rocks right now. So yeah. when they go to the bishop and the bishop sends them to therapy, this is because people desperately want to change. They desperately want to be different. They desperately don't want to lose everything that they've worked their whole lives for right. or think that they're supposed to be or do. Right. And so for that therapist to take these young men and sexually assault them, I can't even imagine. I would love to know how many of his patients over the years have committed suicide. Yeah. Because we know that especially in, in men, young gay men at BYUI or BYU, they've had mm -hmm. a very grisly history of suicide. And Absolutely. it horrifies me to think that perhaps this jackass could be a part of that because of his actions. hundred percent he is. Mm -hmm. There's also this issue. Uh, Millet, who is now 36, said going to therapy with Owen was his bishop's firm counsel. Firm counsel means you're going to fucking do it. Yeah. You're going to do it or you're going to get disfellowshipped, which mm -hmm. means basically put on church probation mm -hmm. or excommunicated, which means kicked out. Yeah. Uh, it was that same bishop who had given him the required ecclesiastical recommendation to attend BYU. Here's the thing. If you're going to go to a Mormon owned university, you must have a bishop's endorsement. You cannot go if you don't. Yep. And if your bishop revokes that endorsement, you will be kicked out of school. Mm -hmm. and destroy whatever you're trying to build for yourself. Mm -hmm. So he feared that not following what his bishop said could impact his academic career because it 100% would. Oh, 1,000%, losing, yeah. Yeah, losing his bishop's endorsement meant he could, would not have been able to attend the church-owned university. And if you're already in school and already moved partway into your program and you're, by the way, paying to go mm -hmm. to school there, it is not as though it is free. It is not. Nope. Um, so this was a huge thing. Uh -huh. Millet said, since he referred me to Scott, who was another bishop at the time, it seemed that it was required of me academically and religiously. He felt compelled that he had to uh -huh. do it. Trying to say no to either of them would have been overwhelming at that time in my life. Sure. They held these all the power. Men, right. These young men had no power. And no. they felt they had to comply. And uh -huh. they did not dare speak up about what was happening or question this form of therapy. Uh -huh. This is the destruction that protecting predators does to people's lives. Yeah. Is the Mormon church complicit in this? 100%. Oh, absolutely. They've been since 2016. And you know what they did, guys? They put a special check mark next to Scott Owen's name in their uh, records, indicating that he is a person that's probably not safe for other people. That's what they did. Yeah. That was their due diligence to protect people from him. Yep. While he's over there training therapists. Are you even While he's kidding training me? Training therapists. Yeah. While he has been forcing his patients into sexual contact with him. Some of the reports say that many of the men were required to take off all of their clothes while Scott continued to wear his own mm -hmm. and sit in these therapy sessions naked. Yeah. And that it would start slowly. It's a whole grooming process with of the course. holding. 
-hmm. And then there was kissing and touching. And before you know it, there's actual sex occurring in these appointments for these incredibly confused young men Mm -hmm. who have been told that being gay is wrong and an abomination. And now their therapist is forcing them into sex, clearly has authority over them. They have Mm -hmm. no choice. They have been raped by their therapist. Mm -hmm. And this man don't dare speak up because it will get them kicked out of the church and kicked out of their school. Yes. Yeah. I wish I could say that this guy is an outlier, but he isn't because we have reported on several Utah therapists Mm -hmm. quite recently that have all done shit like this. Yep. And you know who's known about it all along? The Mormon church. That's Mm who. These things are getting reported. And no one is doing anything. Yep. No one. Until these young men now are are older men, they're adults, they are feeling much braver and are now able to report. Yep. But the damage is done, you guys. Absolutely. For these guys, for these poor young men, it just, it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. It absolutely breaks my heart. But it also makes me so furious mm-hmm. that the, the two entities who could have done something about this, this licensing board, which is just an absolute farce. Mm-hmm. And the Mormon church. All one bishop had to do was pick up the phone and call the police. Yep. But, you know, they don't. Because instead, they consult with the church's legal arm, Curtin McConkie. Yep. And are told not to report. That you don't, legally, you don't have to report. And we yep. prefer that you just didn't. And we'll put this special check mark by his name instead. Because mm-hmm. that solves it all, guys. Yeah. Surely. Whew. He'll never hurt another person again. Yeah. Well, at least he has charges now, now, but. But yeah, where the hell is this? Way too little, too late. It does my heart good that, you know, we're doing our little part here as best we can. Mm -hmm. And ProPublica, Vice, the Salt Lake Tribune are doing their parts as well. Absolutely. Um, There are big news organizations investigating these kinds of things now and really recognizing the Mormon church for who they really are. Uh And it is the only thing that is going to save anybody. And even then that, you know, the members are taught that they are not to read any of those articles or Uh listen to any of this, that this is all propaganda to Uh harm the Mormon church. Uh They are set up from the beginning to believe that the Mormon church is the victim and that there are lots of haters out there and don't be listening to any of them, Uh but the haters are getting louder. And I think the Salt Lake Tribune is a very, very important contributor to that. Yeah, they are. Because it's pretty hard to ignore the Salt Lake Tribune if you live in Salt, if you live in Utah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And they are a big news organization that is not owned by the Mormon Church. And there are several, mm-hmm. uh, Deseret News and KSL, are owned by the Mormon Church. But Salt Lake Tribune is not. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, they are willing to stick their neck out Yeah, in this situation. Absolutely. Well, we'll continue to follow this Scott Scott Owen deal because there may be other charges. There are, according to statements made by the police, there are, they are continuing to receive more victims coming forward. Oh yeah. Oh, and now that he's been charged, they'll be coming out of the woodwork. They'll feel much safer to be able to speak up now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And the other piece of this, of course, is that the church is saying, oh, oh, well, well, yeah, we made made some mistakes in the past, but we're not like that anymore. We're not like that anymore. This is what we do now. This is what we do now. Um, It doesn't matter. This is what you have done. And also, why should we believe that? 
for half a second. I don't believe it. They just won their no. court case in, in Arizona. Arizona. They you had know, the nerve the, to fight they, that. Arizona yeah. Supreme Court said, yeah, you didn't have to report child sexual abuse of young children. And so they have now dropped the lawsuit that the victims in that case had brought against the Mormon church. So they're still very much doing this right now today. And we're going to continue to cover it and bring this to you in our Mormon misdeeds segments and do our best to raise the volume on this issue so that more and more people and particularly more and more Mormons understand what their religion is doing and where their money is going. Because you know what is supposed to be paying for those counseling sessions? Fast offerings. So fast offerings come from uh, one Sunday a month. I think it's the third Sunday of the month. Um, Mormons, is it the first? Yeah. It's been a while, guys. You are to fast for two meals. Mm -hmm. And then the fast offering boys come around and you are supposed to give them the money that you would have spent on whatever you would have spent on meals for those two, uh, for that day, for those Uh two meals, to give to the church. And that is meant to go to support the needy and to support social programs like this. Uh But definitely not to support the billions and hundreds of billions of dollars that the Mormon church is sitting on, I'm sure. Yeah. No, for sure, no. No, they're so asking Mormon, their members Mormons to go are hungry. Yeah. People like this, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And asking their members to go hungry, asking their members in another way to give more money mm-hmm. to this church, because this church pays for nothing on its own, trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can pay therapists like this. So they can yeah. pay to not vet therapists and not report them when they are doing abuse. Well, this is our Monday episode. As always, we will keep you updated on this case and, of course, on the Daybell case. Uh-huh. And we will be back Tuesday and Wednesday with lots more content. And we'll be back Wednesday night with our uh, case updates live stream. If you like our merch, because, you know, it's out now, uh, get your own resting toad face uh, T-shirt or FOS T-shirt or uh-huh. mug or embroidered sweatshirt or tumbler. Over at truecrimesquad.com, you can. There's a link to click there that takes you right to our merch store. Um, it really helps to support us do what we do, and 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 hmm. we we put out merch because y'all ask for it. You want it, yeah. And you know what? <laughs> we try to bring you everything you want, so we're gonna keep doing that. We're and like Santa Claus over here. We are. <laughs> also, be sure to like, subscribe, share, comment, leave us a review wherever you can. All of these things help to support us and continue to do the work that we do. And of course, mm-hmm. you being here and being a part of what we do is a big part of that. So thank you very much Absolutely. for watching and listening and supporting us. You know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Take care. <laughs>